0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm joined once again by the one and only Sam Munson. You can find him on Twitter or X at PFF underscore Sam. Of course, you can find him weekly on the PFF NFL Pod. Sam, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks. How's it going? It is going fantastic, especially for us in Green Bay and fans of the Green Bay Packers. It is a great time to be alive. Let's start right there. Packers, Cowboys—not uh, what the spread expected. I think a lot of people. Uh, I think everyone's posted all the the memes of every you know prognosticator picking the Cowboys in this one, which is fun in Packers land, not so fun in Cowboys land. But uh, as you went back and watched this game and rewatched this game from uh, a Packers side of things, a Cowboy side of things, what, what were your kind of your key takeaways from from this big Packers victory?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it really was shocking. I think there were a lot of people that thought. The, the line was a little bit too generous to Dallas and, you know, we picked Green Bay to cover, certainly. But the way it went, I think, was a complete shock to everybody. Um, yeah. And I think Green Bay did a bunch of things that were smart as well. You know, they... Dallas at this stage is now fighting not just whatever opponent they meet in the playoffs, but they are now fighting, you know, 20 years of history at this point. And you can see it weighs on them. Like, this is not something that is insignificant. They know about it. They're dealing with it. It's pressure above and beyond the playoff pressure, which is huge in itself, right? So Green Bay taking the ball to start the game, I think, was a really, really smart thing to do. They took the ball. They went down. They scored a touchdown. And immediately you've planted the seed of doubt in the head of every Dallas Cowboys player, coach, everything is like, "Uh oh, and then they got that stop crucially on Dallas's first drive. And that was close. Remember, they had a third and eight, third and seven. Dallas uh, Dak Prescott had a pass to CeeDee Lamb that was just out of his fingertip reach. Um, If they catch that you know, and they keep the drive going. Maybe it's a completely different game, a completely different story. But as soon as they missed on that one, you know, they Dallas's drive stalls. Now Green Bay has the ball again. All of a sudden that seed is now growing. And then and once they get a second touchdown now, you know, it's it's almost like the floodgates have opened. Dallas is like it's happening again. And they just collapsed. Um, but I think that That ability to, okay, we know that they're dealing with this pressure. Let's heap it on them early and really back them into a corner and see if it's going to be a problem was a really smart way to start the game. But then just, you know, everything went right for Green Bay on both sides of the ball. And Dallas certainly played their part of that and and helped it along. But incredible performance from the Packers top to bottom.
1: Yeah, I loved Mellaflor's aggressiveness to start the game and take the ball. And that first drive was a grind to go down and score. They did have the big play to Romeo in the middle of the field, but there was a lot of zero, you know, two, three yard runs in there, and it, it was a grind to get in the end zone. They finally got there. The, the play that you mentioned. And then a play on that opening drive as well. The the first play, they get stuffed. The second play, they get sacked on second down. It's going to lead to a third and long, and that play gets negated by a penalty. Green Bay picks up a first down, and then they do go down and have that touchdown drive. I think that was such a key play and a key penalty yeah. to get Green Bay again in that opportunity to score that opening drive touchdown and plant that seed of doubt. And then in that second drive, you mentioned it. Green Bay has struggled with spread formations all season long. Tampa just crushed them with it. And they're constantly getting wide receivers on linebackers against Green Bay's defense. It's happened all year. And on the first drive, must-have moment, third down, you get CeeDee Lamb matched up with a linebacker, Quay Walker, CeeDee's open. And they, I don't know if uh Dak was expecting CeeDee to do something slightly different or Dak just missed, but whatever it was, uh, they just missed on that connection. And to your point, I think that could have changed just the, the momentum in that game as well. And then before you knew it, it's 27-0 Packers and Dallas just and they they responded as well as they could have in the second half. And Green Bay did their part defensively just to give you enough nervous moments as a Packer fan. But overall, it was it was basically over at twenty. Twenty-seven,
0: Yeah, it really was. And okay, Dallas kind of they clawed back some yardage and some and some points and made it close-ish, but it never really felt like it was a game. I think it was long done at that point. And maybe they could have made it a little bit of a panic at the end. But they, you know, they were coming from so far back that I don't think the game was ever really in any kind of jeopardy. It was it was long since done. Um, they were sort of playing with the freedom of this game's long gone anyway, right? So what the hell, yeah. let's just go out there swinging and hopefully we can pull a miracle somewhere along the line. But I don't think anybody really believed that the game was ever in jeopardy from that point on. Um, Green Bay absolutely destroyed them uh, on both sides of the ball. It was a really impressive performance. But you know, Dallas... They did some things schematically, I think, that just weren't smart. Um, and we praise Dan Quinn quite a lot on the podcast for showing a, an ability to uh, adapt and change his defense in a way that a lot of guys from that coaching tree don't. You know, one of the failings, I think, of that kind of Pete Carroll, Seattle cover three, Legion of Boom coaching hit tree is that they run what they run and they don't really change it up that much. And, uh, you know, Pete Carroll himself has adapted maybe more than anybody else, but. Generally, the guys that have taken that system somewhere else, they've just tried to replicate it, and it's never worked, and they've never really adapted. And now, in particular, with the Shanahan tree incredibly successful against that coaching tree, against that that system, you need to be able to adapt. And Dan Quinn has more than most guys from that system, but right from that first drive, Green Bay was going in there and saying, we're going to run 12 personnel, and you're going to counter with nickel because that's what you do. And they just ran all over them. And, and at no point did Dallas adjust to that, even knowing, like watching it happen and saying, like, th- we, we're getting destroyed doing this. We have to pivot to something else. They still, you know, deep into the second half, they are still just running the same nickel personnel, outmatched, physical, and still surrendering the big
1: plays. Yeah, it was, it was a, a beautiful performance by Green Bay and keeping it balanced, being able to run with Aaron Jones. I thought going back to some of those you know moments in the second half where Dallas got points, I thought it was huge that Green Bay was just able to counter right back and get those touchdowns. Yeah. To sell. You're just not going to be able to put up enough points. We're going to keep scoring on you. That was huge in the second half. But uh, to your point, Dallas's inability, you still saw two safeties deep, even when Green Bay was running the ball pretty heavily. Aaron Jones just kind of ate him apart in the second half. And it was, again, it was just over. It was an awesome performance by Green Bay and a disappointing one from Dallas. We'll get to more on Dallas on that side of things in just a moment. But um, I, I saw a tweet from PFF that said uh, Green Bay in this wild card weekend, not just in this game, but on the weekend as a whole, had the highest graded quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. If I'm not mistaken, I think they also had the tight end, although he maybe didn't have enough snaps. And then I think safety, uh, Darnell Savage might have as well. What was the performance that stood out most to you for Green Bay this week? I mean I think it's probably
0: Jordan Love again. I mean he he's just extending now the amount of games or the uh, the amount of time that he's been playing at this level. And we were talking on our podcast today somebody asked a question going forward if you had to pick one would you want CJ Stroud or Jordan Love? You know they both had almost identical stat lines this weekend. Um and I think if the level that he's at right now is real and it's not just you know he's hit the high water mark and this is he'll bounce back he'll regress a little bit and you know somewhere in the middle is where to settle if he's actually reached this level and this is who he's going to be going forward he's already in that rare air of the patrick mahomes the josh allens the joe burrows of the world since week nine or whatever it is like his grades put him in that area right his performances have put him in that area the box score numbers are putting him in that area so he's playing so well right now that your sort of assumption is it, it can't be like he can't be this good he's probably going to come back down to earth at some point and maybe it'll happen after the season but like this isn't who he's going to be you know for the next 10 years but if it is i mean they have found like another hall of fame caliber player i mean this is you know, Aaron Rodgers baseline type of play. This is like MVP conversation every year type of play. And to just roll in there and uh, to against Dallas, you know, who have a nasty pass rush, who had a defense that's capable of causing problems and act like it was nothing. And just, you know, anytime there was a problem on the play, he would just adjust. He would fade away from it. He would make the play anyway. I mean, he's playing at that kind of level right now. Josh Allen just had a crazy game. Where he took, you know, the whole thing on his shoulders, didn't make any mistakes, and had an amazing grade.
1: and Jordan Love was better. I mean, that's the kind of level he's playing at right now. It's crazy. it's absurd. and i I'm laughing and smiling because it's a million percent true. And as a Packer fan, it, it it's absurd. it it seems crazy. And especially as we saw the Jordan Love through the first half of the season, we're like, yeah, he's fine. He looks okay. He's a starting quarterback. And then to go from that to like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm one of the best players in the league over the second half of the season, if not the best player in the league over the second half of the season. That's a great conversation between um, Stroud and, and Love, too, as to which one you'd rather have. That's a, That'll be a fun one to kind of track over the years. Uh, I think both of them are going to have really interesting matchups this week against two really great defenses that will probably define at least the, the current status of both of those QBs this year. So uh, the, either way, the NFL seems in good hands with some of these quarterbacks up and coming as of right now. Um, But yeah, I I don't even know where else. I think the other thing um, is is what Jordan is also doing is clearly giving Matt more confidence to put even more on his plate. And like, that's the thing, too. It's like, all right, let's put a little bit more on his plate and then he can perform. And then they put more on his plate and he does it. And now I think Matt's just like, all right, we've got everything we need to put on his plate, whether it's checking out of plays, whether it's audibling, getting to max protect, whatever it might be. Jordan's reading pre-snap, post-snap, everything to like where the world is just completely open to this offense in Matt LaFleur and that you would think would continue to expand moving forward as well. That that's another scary portion for Love and Green Bay.
0: Or even if it doesn't, you know, expand and get more encompassing, it's at least there now. And I think there was definitely an element that earlier in the season, the offense was deliberately scaled back, was deliberately paired back. Stuff was taken off his shoulders in terms of responsibility with the idea that he can't handle it yet, you know? And I think sometimes coaches have a tendency to do this, of trying to protect the quarterback actually makes their job harder. You know, And the things they're doing to try and, and help them actually just makes... It's easier for defenses to know what they're doing, which in turn makes the quarterback's job harder. They might be less able to run the full sort of breadth of the offense, but the fact that the full breadth of the offense is on the table for the defense might make it easier for the quarterback to do it anyway. You know what I mean? So it's this difficult balance where I think a lot of times the unintended consequence of trying to help your quarterback schematically by giving him less responsibility actually ends up hurting him overall because you just make his job harder by the defense being better keyed into what he's doing. So I think there's definitely an element to which Jordan loves early part of the season um, was being held back a little bit by, by LaFleur and, and what they were doing. But I also don't think he's been this guy all the way through the season. You know, there right. are, there are some fans out there. They're like, we knew all the time. Like he's just, this is who he is. He's just a superstar. It it hasn't been like he has gotten better. And I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that and saying, the step that he's taken from like week one to now is nuts. And if, if it's real, like if that's where he belongs, then he's going to be an absolute star.
1: No, for those that like don't want to acknowledge the step of getting better, it's almost doing a disservice to Jordan and Matt because they deserve so much credit for uh, like having him take that step through the course of the season. It wasn't like this was just there. And I, I think we talked about it last week of like when you watched him in training camp, his early you know seasons as a, a quarterback, like he just wasn't anywhere close to this. So to go from that and in, in some of those first practices where like, everything was a check down to now the f- full range of everything is at his disposal. Like they deserve credit for that, and it's worth noting, like just how much they've improved. Even just again through the course of this season, I'm not going to pretend that like Green Bay's, you know, pretending to be the uh, the the LA Rams, the greatest show on turf, or the St. Louis Rams at the time, or anything like that. But this offense is very difficult to stop right now with Aaron Jones running the way he is, Jordan Love commanding this offense, this plethora of weapons that Jordan has at his disposal. So i just ask you this way: whether it's the 49ers or any other team, what, what do you do to stop this Packers offense right now?
0: Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, even forgetting the other stuff, and you're right, those are all big parts of the equation. Jordan Love simply playing at this level is there's no answer to this, right? Like, we've seen this again. You name all those elite quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen joe burrow when they're all playing at their best game there is no answer like there's no game plan to stop that they are better than you are and they find the way of getting it done even when you have like the correct play drawn up on the chalkboard it's like oh this i have this taken away right we've called the right defense they'll find a way of making it wrong and you're seeing those plays from jordan love now you've obviously seen it from patrick mahomes for years like if he stays playing at this level they are very very difficult to stop forget the receivers forget the running game forget the offensive line like he's simply playing at a level that will make a lot of defenses wrong even when they're right on paper so that i think is the first part um one element though is that the 49ers aren't going to shoot themselves in the foot the way dallas did right so if for no, if nothing else the difficulty level is going up this week right it it doesn't mean he still can't get it done but like if <laughs> the 49ers are not going to be like, oh, wow, they're running 12 personnel. Maybe we should think about countering back, you know, <laughs> like Shanahan knows this system. Shanahan created this system, right? He understands what they're going to try and do. And he also understands what causes it the most problems. So they are going to be way better prepared than Dallas was to stop this particular offense and at least ramp up the difficulty level and say, you're going to have to make a bunch of these special plays because we're not giving you the easy ones. And I think that's a big difference. It doesn't mean that he won't be able to, but it does mean that it's going to be harder than it was last week.
1: Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks with basketball season here. You can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. A league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making prize picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepickscom slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I think that's what makes the Saturday stretch of games in divisional rounds so much fun is you do get CJ Stroud versus this Ravens defense and you get Jordan Love against this 49ers defense. And it's like, all right, you want the ultimate test guys? Go out and see what you can do against these two particular defenses in a game where also the opposing offense might put up a ton of points. I'm so excited to see how both of those quarterbacks respond. I want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I want to ask about two players in particular. The first is Darnell Savage. He had a huge week this week. Of course, uh, you know. The, the pick six was a massive part of that, uh, but he is now PFF's 15th graded uh, safety on the season. This is a player who's had his struggles in Green Bay. I thought he had a nice season in 2020. His rookie year was fine for a rookie, but it kind of declined after that. And then this year, we're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence. He was on that fifth year uh, option that Green Bay decided to pick up what looked like a mistake at the time. Although he's, I, I don't know, I still don't know if it was the right move to make, but he certainly at least paid it off to some extent through the course of the season. I kind of always went through the scene being like, the season, being like, all right, Darnell's probably just going to play out this year, and then they're going to go get younger and try to get better at safety. But his play has been surprisingly good. If you're listening, if you're a fifteenth safe, like fifteenth best safety, um, you know you're not only in like the like starting safety conversation, you're like you know upper half of the the number one safety uh, conversation. So, your thoughts on Darnell Savage this week, and then on the season as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, this week, like you say, it's largely built off that uh, interception, which is a way better play when I watched it back than I gave it credit for at the time. Like when you see it live on TV, you just sort of focus on how does Dak Prescott not see that guy and throw the ball right to him? When you watch the play again and you watch it from Savage's point of view, he reads it and he comes off the inside slant to jump to the outside guy like Prescott is expecting him to be man-on-man man with another guy inside, he's he's assuming, it's not like he didn't see him, he assumed he was going somewhere else. Like, yeah. he expected him to stay on his guy and take himself out of the play. Instead, Savage actually skipped over his guy and jumped the outside route and was able to get underneath and pick it off. Really high-level play. And it actually, like, he's reminding me now of the player he was in college, where he played with such great instincts and just click and close, saw it, hit it, went for it incredible speed, burst athleticism, all those kinds of things. And I don't know kind of where it went wrong in the NFL relative to that, but you never saw that just sort of confidence in what he was doing. And now you are, you're seeing plays like this, where if he gets that wrong, like if he misreads it and Dak hits the guy that he just bailed on, it's a big play up the middle. It's all his fault, you know, and it's a huge momentum swing towards uh, the Cowboys. But he, he trusted what he saw and he broke on it and he ends up getting a, you know, a huge swing in the other direction for it. So that that's what defense is in the NFL. It's trusting your eyes, making those plays, and just hitting it at 100 miles an hour. It's what he was known for in college, and now you're seeing way more of those plays in the NFL.
1: Yeah, it's been impressive to see him kind of improve through the course of the season and just play with a little bit more instincts. And hopefully that's something he can continue to do moving forward. And maybe he just has the confidence now. He's always felt like a player, like the closer to the line of scrimmage he is, the better he just has those instincts. And we saw that on that particular play. Um, yeah, that was all like Packer fans have seen that sort of play from a Charles Woodson or a Nick Collins in the past. They haven't seen it from a Darnell Savage. If he can add that to this defense, it certainly would come at the right time and certainly would be a welcome addition um, to how this Packers defense is playing right now. The other one I want to ask you about is almost on the flip side. Rashawn Gary, he's the 28th graded edge player on the season. He just gets this big contract. He came off um, a a three-sack game earlier this year, I think right around the time he got the contract, and it was like, man, he's coming off the ACL from a season ago. This is all going great. Since that three-sack game, he's had one sack, um, his PFF grade since that time fifty eight nine, fifty eight six, sixty two four, fifty five nine, seventy three one, sixty six nine, and fifty nine point seven this week. He's had three pressures in the past two weeks in must win games, obviously, basically both play and playoff games, uh, particularly, I wonder if part of this is his just kind of like wearing down post ACL um, after like you know he didn't play all of last year, comes back week one, plays a limited amount of snaps. They ramp him up. And I'm wondering if he's just kind of getting like hitting a wall a little bit. But we haven't seen quite the same Rashawn Gary. And it feels like they need an impactful Rashawn Gary to beat the 49ers this week. Yeah.
0: um, Like earlier in the season, he was grading as well as anybody on a smaller sample size. Right. And it was like, well, he looks back. Like, Let's give him the full workload and let's see what he can do. And you're right. In in recent weeks, it hasn't looked the same. And Terrence Steele has been kind of a liability for the Cowboys at right tackle this season. It looked like a perfect sort of matchup for Gary to have a big game. And one of the sort of you know, ways that you were envisaging, hey, Green Bay could actually cause some problems for Dallas, even though the Packers' defense hasn't been great this season. Like, Gary versus Steele is a problem. They're going to have to figure out. And it wasn't. I mean, Steele beat him for most of the reps. Now, look, there's some plays in there where they're definitely giving him help. There's chip blocks from tight ends and backs and help by alignment and all those kinds of things. So it's not like he was one-on-one for 27 rushes or whatever it was, and he won them all. Um, But he was one-on-one a lot. And almost every single one of those reps Steele was winning um he he seemed to be able to win the contact point like every time he struck out with a punch it it won like gary wasn't getting off those blocks he was losing at the at that initial contact point um i you know i i went back and forth when i was watching him like does he look a little bit less explosive less athletic than he was before i don't know that's true as much as he just wasn't winning those reps and like you know, definitely that point of initial contact steal was winning, but they need him back. Like, they need him to be an impact rusher against the 49ers. Like, forget Dallas, they kind of rolled over and and made it easy, but Green Bay needs Gary to be making an impact off the edge in a way he hasn't been in recent weeks.
1: Now, and this is a week, too, where, like, this is a dream for a pass rusher. It's you, you get to just pin your ears back and rush the passer for a huge chunk of the game. Um, this Packers defensive front, Dallas, outside of Steel, has a pretty darn good offensive line, but those guys struggle to get off of blocks, and, and Rashawn Gary especially, and um, you know, hopefully, again, it's something that he can improve. It, it does feel like sometimes he gets a little speed rushery when I think he needs to be a little bit more of a, a power guy and collapsing the pocket, but whatever it is, he, he just needs to have a little bit bigger of an impact against the 49ers. Not playing bad, but not playing up to the level that I think people have come to expect. Out of him, I want to spend the majority of the rest of the time, Sam, just kind of talking about this Packers 49ers matchup this week. Uh, Divisional round 49ers have been a bit of a bugaboo for for Green Bay um, in in recent playoff games. It's not been a great matchup for them. Uh, What does Green Bay have to do to kind of get into this game, win it? And uh, what are some of the key things that you're going to be watching for? I
0: really like, we said this earlier, I really love the fact that they took the ball to start with and and put Dallas under pressure. I've been saying it for a while now. I think that's the solution, or not the solution. I think that's an approach to take against the 49ers as well, because if there's one weakness to that offense, it's they are not built to play from behind. They don't like doing it. It changes everything, and they're not good at it. So if you're able to do what Green Bay did and score first, put up a touchdown, get a stop and then do it again. And all of a sudden you're in a double digit deficit. It changes the whole game. Now it's really hard to do that against the 49ers. Number one, their defense is good. So you have to score first. Number two, their offense is really good. So you have to get a stop right away as well. But if you can manage it and put them in that hole, I think that changes their entire game. And I think it's, it's something they're not used to and they're not good at coming back from. So I've been saying for a while, I think teams should start trying to do that to the 49ers. I think the Cardinals tried it against them and they got it half good, right? They got the score and then 49ers answered with a touchdown. They never got close again. But I honestly think for a team like Green Bay, it is an approach to try and repeat and try and see if you can put them under pressure as well in a different way to Dallas, but with potentially the same outcome because... Nobody in the league can match up with those skill position players that they have. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Iu, Kyle Juszczyk, like all of them. You start listing them out. Nobody has defensive players that can go man for man with those guys across the board. You don't. And the scheme they're running is, you know, the the meta scheme in the NFL right now or a variant of it. So it's the best players in the best scheme. You're overmatched. You, You just are. So you're now saying, well... Can we get a key stop at a key time and just try and win, like steal possessions, even if we're giving up um, drives and yards and and catches and all those kinds of things? And what does the other side of the ball look like? Because that's a key element. You know, Green Bay's offense might have to have a big game and turn this into a shootout and try and keep pace with them and match them. Um, And as I said, if Jordan Love continues playing at the level he's playing at, they can
1: yeah, I think so, too. I, I think there's going if, to if Jordan plays the way he's been playing, you're going to have a puncher's chance in pretty much every single game. What What is your view of Brock Purdy and what he brings to the offense? It feels like there's always that um, there, there's still kind of that question out there of like, all right, is this system based with all these weapons and the perfect system or is there something more to him? We've seen some really amazing games from Brock. We've seen some not great games from him. Where, where do you kind of come down on the argument?
0: I mean, I think it's nuanced, right? Like, Brock Purdy is not just a product of Kyle Shanahan because he's playing better than the other guys that were products of Kyle Shanahan. Like, he, there is a noticeable difference in performance um, between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard or the other quarterbacks that have been in that offense. Like, he is a better player than those guys. Um, but we also know that the Shanahan offense improves it. Like, it definitely boosts him. There's There's no point in denying that like it it has an impact there so um I think it's it's a little bit of both like Brock Purdy is a perfect fit for that offense because he can take what's there he can add to the end of it like I think one of the great strengths that he brings to the table is right where the Shanahan offense kind of runs out of answers you know late in the down when something's been covered where the play has to adjust and we have to ad-lib that's when brock purdy does some of his best work you know those ad-lib plays those um those complete adjustments the kind of crazy um making it up on the fly things that's where you get the best version of brock purdy so it's like a perfect mix that's why i think he has this like the sum of the two parts are greater than um than than each one of them individually and i think that's why he put together like a borderline MVP season, right? He was, he was pretty much the consensus MVP right up until that Baltimore game. And then it became Lamar Jackson, but it it wasn't unreasonable. Like you were, you could construct a very good argument that Brock Purdy was the MVP, even knowing what we know about Shanahan's offense and the skill position players around him. So I, I definitely don't think you can take him lightly. I mean, we've been saying, I haven't checked the numbers actually since that wildcard game, but from week nine on the rest of the regular season, Jordan Love was the second best graded quarterback in the NFL. The first graded was Brock Purdy, even with that Baltimore game in there. So he's definitely, you know, a legit quarterback, a real threat and not somebody that you can just sort of say, well, if we take away the first read, he's got no chance.
1: Yeah, the improvisation ability has been something that has set him apart, especially from some of the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world. Really quick, before we get you out of here, the Niners' line is uh, nine points right now. Uh, your thoughts on that line? Is this a Green Bay cover situation again, or how are you feeling about this game overall?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know um, I don't know how big a chance Green Bay has, but I'm not taking I'm not taking anybody getting uh, with nine points the way Jordan Love is playing. I mean. Yeah. That to me is crazy that the, the 49ers, I think, have been a better team than Green Bay all the way through this season. But right now, Jordan Love is playing so well that like there's no scenario in which I'm saying he's worth uh,
1: nine points as an underdog. He's going to make it closer than that. Yeah, I think so, too. Should be so fun to watch. Sam, amazing stuff as always where can we find all of your awesome work? Yep. Yeah. The PFF NFL podcast, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow him at pff underscore sam. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL on the podcast at Packaday Podcast. That's going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go pack, go.